Hi, this is Kevin Murphy. Hi, this is Paul Millsap. Hi, this is Marvin Williams. Hi, this is Gordon Hayward. Hi, this is Randy Foy. Hi, this is Derek Favors. Hi, this is Jeremy Evans. Hi, this is Earl Watson. Hi, this is Damari Carroll. Hi, this is Alec Burke. Hi, this is Al Justin. Hi, this is Dennis Cantor, and you're locked on jazz. Draft Knicks, you got to love it. Jonathan Givoni with us, Draft Express. We talk about him every day. Does fabulous work. If you're a Draft Nick, this is your guy. Uh... Jonathan, t- thanks so much. It's nice to chat with you again. Last time I think I saw you when we chatted was New York before the what we refer to as the Cantor Burks draft. Yes, uh, it's been an exciting time for Utah Jazz fans since. How you been? I've been good. Uh, I don't think I'm making it out to New York this year, so we'll uh, we'll have to chat this way, and you you can have all the fun. I, I frankly think one of the reasons I'm not heading out to New York is we're not entirely. Sh- you, you don't. I, I don't think anyone knows who's really going where and. Uh, whether the the guys sitting in New York in all those meetings and, and interviews are going to be the guys that when we're taking 14 and 21 are going to be the guys or we might draft two guys that aren't in New York this year. You never know. Yeah, I, w- I definitely wouldn't rule it out. It's definitely one of those years. All right. Let, let, me, uh, let me just take a second uh, draft express-wise for a quick second here. You and your crew have done all these videos. You've broken down these players what is your situation and your belief in this draft? Everyone wants to call it a bad draft. Everybody wants to call it. There's all these kind of this uh, what, what narrative that's been built. Ignore all of that from all of the work you and your crew have done. What, do you, what is your narrative on this draft? I just don't really believe in bad drafts. I think that's a lazy way. It's a lazy exercise. I think that. You know, there's 60 players that are going to get drafted, and there's no way that they're all going to be bad. So, um, you know, it's not the type of draft where you come out of it with a LeBron James or, you know, or a Dwight Howard or, or something like that, or even, like, you know, like Kevin Durant. But I think that there's going to be good players drafted. I, I just I really believe strongly in the American talent pool, and I and I think that this is a very good year for international draft prospects. So I think that um, you know I think that uh, these guys are going to be okay. You know, uh, every year I've been doing this, I always hear it's a weak draft, a weak draft. I still haven't seen a strong one, according to the experts. You know, so I think that's just the way it is. It's just so much easier to write off a draft as a bad draft. And it's just um, it's a catchy it's a catchy way of looking at it. Your job, one of them, is to put together these mock drafts. You you did your latest one at uh, nine o'clock this morning our time, which was nice of you. I appreciate that. Uh, the latest on it has the Jazz taking Shane Larkin at fourteen and Jamal Franklin at twenty one, which I don't believe is a change from what you had prior. But do you? The mock draft, Jonathan, is an exercise you have to do. I got that. Do you feel that this year there's more chance that guys could be all over the map than other years? I think so. I think that um, there's not as much separation as you usually see. I think that, you know, a guy that goes seven could you know, be 27 on somebody else's board. So I do think it's a beauty in the eye of the beholder type draft. And um, that um, the, t- the guys that go in the top 10 are not necessarily going to be the top 10 players when we look back five years from now. 
Do you on draft night every draft the one of uh let me back up. Drafts of this nature, which I think have that lack of separation, I completely agree with what you just said. Those drafts seem to have uh runs. And in previous drafts it's been, you know, you and I've walked into buildings and kind of had a very clear idea of where everyone was going and what pick would be taken when and I don't think that's as clear. I mean, I think New York could be a crazy scene. And uh maybe it'll clear up between now and then. Uh but I do kind of wonder, like I look at Trey Burke who you have going 7 to Sacramento and maybe most people do. But guys, if he suddenly doesn't go to Sacramento, a team which frankly we have no idea what Sacramento's going to do, right? Their GM's been had his job for 3 days. Uh is is it possible that he doesn't go till 13? I mean, it just seems like there's more chance for wild movement on players uh, on this draft night than I than in drafts I've seen in the past. Maybe you know I mean I've seen some pretty crazy stuff happen on draft night. I think every year there's a lot of surprises. This year it might be a little bit more than most, but I do think that every year we're just consistently surprised by certain guys that fall, certain guys that rise, and there's always a guy that goes at, like, 19, that everybody else had 35, and just, you know, so I, uh, you know, I used to get very frustrated by it, but now it's just, I just enjoy it, you know, just put on your seatbelt and just, you know, enjoy the ride, because that's, that's the beauty of the draft. I think that if you did it if you had to draft five times in one day, you just did it over and over and over and over and over again, I think it would really come out five different ways because there's just so many different variables. There's such a human element to it. And you hear the stories afterwards from what happened in the war room, the conversations from between executives and all that. And you really realize that there's absolutely no way to predict what's going to happen. So um, uh, that's not what people like to hear coming from me, but it's just the truth. All right, let's walk through the point guards. That's uh, Everybody seems to believe the Jazz will take a point guard at either 14 or 21. Uh, what is your personal order? I don't, I don't need to know what it, I think we all know what most people think. What, what about your personal order on where you would put these point guards? Uh, I really like Trey Burke. I think he's clearly the best point guard in this draft, and I think that there's uh, some separation there after that. I, I'm a big um, McCollum fan also, um, and I think that there's um, a pretty significant drop-off at that point. Um, you know, I, I think Schroeder has a chance to be good, but there's a lot of there's some question marks there. You know, he came to the U.S., he did a couple of workouts, and he got homesick. He had to go home. You know, he's never been out of Germany in his life before, and it's, um, you know, there's, you just never know how he's going to handle the NBA, the NBA lifestyle and all of that. So um, um, really, um, you could really slice it a million different ways after that. Uh, I'm not really huge on Michael Carter-Williams, as people might have um, guessed by now. Um, I um, I like Eric Green. I think he's underrated. Um, I like um, Nate Walters. I think he's underrated. I, I like Ray McCallum a little bit. Um I think Larkin is going to be good. I'm not sure if he's a starter, but I think he could he could be a solid backup. Um, and I mean, I, th- I think that pretty much covers the um, the first round guys. I mean, 
I'm not really buying the Pierre Jackson thing like some people are, other people are. I'm not huge on Isaiah Cannon like some people are, but um, I think that pretty much covers most of the top guys, right? You know what's great is when we chatted two years ago, you and I didn't agree on players. The only problem is I don't remember who everybody liked and didn't like, and I don't have a scoreboard to check. And you and I, I can't, I couldn't see these guys more differently than you. I'm not saying I'm right. I mean, I, that's the beauty, right? So please don't take it, Jonathan, like I'm saying I'm right. I don't like CJ McCollum that much. I mean, I think I'd probably draft him in this draft because if he's not a point guard, he probably can be a shooting guard. And if he's neither, he can be a third guard and probably play in the league for a long time. I really like Michael Carter Williams. Obviously, he's got to shoot at some point, but he is so long. It's just fabulous how long he is and what he can do. Um, and, and I'd love Let to get into a question. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Did you realize that Michael Carter Williams is only like an inch longer than Trey Burke in terms of wingspan? Um, I do. Um, but I think some of the length, yes, in terms of wingspan, I completely agree with you. Uh, cause it's true. Uh, on the other end is when they go to the basket and Michael Carter Williams kind of extends out, he's up at the rim with some ease that I think hopefully allows for his sake, uh, allows. Why did him- he never finish? How come he's if he's so long and he, why couldn't he finish at the college level against college defenders? What is he going to do against NBA defenders if he couldn't make a shot around the basket in college? Uh, he's going to get more space, but you may be right. I mean, I I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm completely, uh, you know, put, I like him. I'm just I just think that's interesting. Like I'm not sure I like Trey Burke a great deal. Um, on the fact that, uh, by the way, wingspan is an inch is is an inch and three quarters difference between Burke and Michael Carter Williams on your numbers, right? Right. Okay. Uh, isn't that isn't don't you think an inch is an inch and a three quarter nothing? Is it a lot or what's your thought on it? Um, it's. I think uh, it means something. Yeah. I mean, that's where all that's pretty much all of Michael Carter Williams' draft stock is all about. That is, you know. His height, you know, because if he scored the way he did at Trey Burke's height, he's maybe not even playing in Europe, you know. So, uh, if that's the only difference, then I mean, I think I go with a guy that has a complete offensive game that is phenomenal in the pick and roll, that can shoot off the dribble, that can have deep, deep range, um, you know, and then is two years younger, I think. So, I mean, that's, but uh, it could go a lot of different ways. You know, I mean, uh, none of us have it figured out, and a lot of it is going to depend on where these guys end up and and how they're developed and uh, their individual mindset, their work ethic, all that. But um, yeah, I mean, I um, I, uh, I I I like the guy that can that can score from anywhere on the floor and is a you know pure point guard. So that's that's rare, I think. Walk me through uh, a comparison of Shane Larkin. Versus Isaiah Cannon. Is that how you pronounce it? Is it Cannon or is it Cannon or? Cannon. Yeah, I, I've been watching Cannon recently. I liked, you know, I watched Shane Larkin recently. Um, what's your thought on comparing those two? Um, I don't think that they're that far off necessarily. Um, I think that they're both undersized. I think that, um, you know, um, I think Larkin is a better athlete. 
Um, I think Larkin is more of a point guard than Cannon. I, every time I watched Cannon play, I just felt like he was just out there for himself. You know, like if the team won or lost, it didn't really matter. I mean, what really mattered was Isaiah Cannon getting his. And um, Larkin, I think, um, is a, much more of a winner. I think he's a lot more unselfish. Um, so I think they're both similarly good shooters. They're both, they can both really shoot the ball. I just think the difference between them is I think Larkin is much more of a facilitator than Cannon is. And Larkin, who is really small and really with a small wingspan as well, uh, what do you find as comparables when you look back through the years of the great research you guys have at Draft Express uh, in regards to all, you know, the, you guys have the best database of, uh, public database of any uh, buddy in regards to measurement history. When you, when you do you find other players who match that diminutive uh, or lack of length of a, a Shane Larkin that have been successful? No, there's never there's never been a guy with a small of a standing reach as Shane Larkin in the NBA. Uh, it's the smallest standing reach in the history of our database. So it's going to be a very interesting case study to see how much that actually matters, you know, because on one hand, he doesn't have any length, but on the other hand, he is a phenomenal athlete, and he's incredibly skilled offensively as well. So um, it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out, no doubt about it. Uh, and, and so the question is whether his speed can outdo his wingspan or lack thereof. Well, can his feel for the game and, and shooting ability uh, as well, because where his on offense, he's not a guy that really made a living inside the paint. You know, he's not a guy. Um, so I think that just his um, his skill level offensively uh, in terms of his pull up jump shot and and um, his three point range, I think that's you know th- that doesn't really matter if you have a short wingspan or not. You know, the small. I, I did this last year, and I'm doing this off the top of my head. Am I right that Ty Lawson at about six one is the smallest wingspan of any starting point guard in your database? Is that right? Does that sound uh, right? I can't really. I can't really tell you off the top of my head. I'm not okay. sure. But I think that's. I mean, it's kind of an interesting number because I mean, six one is three inches. It's not even like he's close, right? Um, which I think gets gets interesting. Uh, in that regard. Back to Schroeder for a second. You mentioned he went home because he's homesick. There seems to be a rising concern about whether or not he might have some chemist character issues. Uh, what's, you probably know more about him than most with your European ties. What's the word on that? Well, his background is, is tough. You know, um, he comes from um, a, a poor family, and uh, he um, he didn't have the easiest upbringing. And he was he he had an issues in the, in the past with um, authority and uh, his temper. Um, he, he isn't the easiest guy to manage, from what people say. But by all accounts, he's improved significantly over the last few years. Um, his father passed away, and he went through a very difficult time. And um, he is a guy that is going to ha- need to have a support system in place around him, you know. And uh, so I think where he ends up in the draft is a really big thing. If you talk to his agent, he says, 
I don't really care if he goes 47 in this draft. If he, as long as he goes to the right team and someone is going to develop him and it's going to surround him with good people, that's fine. I mean, if you give me, you offer me the seventh pick and a bad situation or the 47th pick and a great situation, I'm going 47 every time. So I think they realize that he's um, unique in that regard. I don't think he's a bad person, and I think that um, I don't think he's inherently flawed. So I do think that there's. Um, he could just be immature, you know. I mean, he's a very young kid, and he's, um, you know, he, he grew up in a very, very unique background. So um, I, I think that um, I actually like him quite a bit. I've been around him. I've interacted with him. He's a really nice kid. So I, I think that he could be okay, you know. I mean, just people need to be aware of the situation and just be ready to manage it the right way. All right, so I put you in the Jazz front office seat with 14 on the board. And we've talked about these guys now. And you have Shane Larkin, who we just talked about, historically small, may not be able to start, I think was kind of a comment you've made, I agree with. Uh, Michael Carter-Williams, let's assume, let's make it up. He, he somehow slips. He's available at 14. On your mock, he's available at 13. Uh, he goes at 13. And Dennis Schroeder is on the board at 15. And Isaiah Cannon, who we just talked about, is available uh, on the board, and you mentioned some other point. Eric Green, who you like. Do you take a point guard at 14, or is the separation amongst that group so slim you wait till 21? Is McCollum gone? Yeah, McCollum's gone. He's, he's gone. Okay. Um, I would take Schroeder at that point. I think that Utah is um, – very, very strong organization. I think that they do a great job of developing players and um, also surrounding them with good people. And um, I think that they could um, they could get the most out of Schroeder. Let's move to the big guys for a second. I'll tell you what, I Jonathan, I'm totally well. I'm mystified of this whole draft. I actually am finding this year as fun as any year I've ever been a part of. Okay, so I'm looking at these guys and. Noel weighs, like speaking of, I, I ran through your data bus on him. I can't find it. Seven feet, 206 pounds? It doesn't exist. Sorry about Noel. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, you have to account for the fact that he got injured in January. I mean, he probably was around 220. And once you get to that 220, uh, a guy his age, uh, he's very, very young. You know, he could be a high school senior right now. I don't think it's that unique. I think his frame is going to fill out. So to me, that's not that big of a concern. I mean, you have to realize when you, what I think we should add in our database is how old were they when that measurement was made? You know, I mean, so, um, and there's, there's always, you know, the asterisks, you know, I mean, some guys were 23 years old, you know, and Bismarck Biombo was probably 30, you know, like when he was measured. So, um, it's, you never really, you know, you have to kind of account for that. And, um, I think his friend is going to be fine. Honestly, I'm not. I'm not too concerned about that. I think that's overblown. Really, I love this. This is here's the analogy. I will share this with you. This is the analogy that I've given for this draft, Jonathan. Is that we're about ten of us are out for a fine, a decent restaurant. Okay, there's twenty entrees on the menu, big menu, and if if ten of us are out, we'll probably order eight different entrees, right? Because that's just the way it works. We all have our own personal flavors. Like the now I keep using is two of my favorite things are artichoke chokes and sun-dried tomatoes. And 
I, I don't like mushrooms, and I'm allergic to nuts. So that if pine nuts are on a salmon, well, as much as I like salmon, I'm not ordering that no matter what. And mushrooms are on something I'm on a steak, I'm not ordering it. But if you go give me something that has sun-dried tomatoes and artichokes, I'm probably going to find a way to order it. And I feel like that's what this draft is because, you know, for me, I like – I love length. So we talked about Michael Carter Williams, and you don't like him at all, and I really like him. I really love his length. Uh, uh, Gobert to me is pretty intriguing because I love that length. Um, and yet uh, I, I get very nervous about guys that don't have enough weight on them, and I really have a hard time. Every time we try to project someone who's going to gain weight, I feel like it never happens. So in regards to Noel, I um, – and yet you don't think it's an issue. I think that's you, – you have more history on this. I don't want to diminish that and call us equals. But I think it's just really fascinating, and I wonder if that's how a bunch of these front offices are as well right now. Yeah, I don't have any doubt that there's um, the very same arguments are going on in the NBA front office. They're probably at a higher level without the artichokes and sun-dried tomatoes. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, th- no, I think that there's so many different ways to look at it, and that's the beauty of the draft. That's why I love my job, because we're trying to look into the future, and that's impossible to do. You know, we don't, and none of us have a crystal ball. So, um, you know, um, I would look at – I would compare Noel to someone like um, Joe Noah, who I think he was – 21 or 22 when he was drafted, and he was probably 220 pounds. Everybody was saying the same thing, you know, like, oh, he's so skinny, he's going to put on weight, he can't score, he can't do this, he can't do that. And then, lo and behold, you know, um, I don't know, six years later, Joe Noah has a fantastic frame, and he's um, really developed into a, a great NBA player. So uh, I, I find that more often than not, the weight thing is overblown. That's one thing that I really don't worry about that much. Um, so, uh, but we'll see how it turns out. Camby, Camby, Chandler, and Noah were all 220, uh, I believe, upon draft. And, and Bosch, I believe. Th- four examples yeah, of that. Yeah, but how much older was right. Noah when he was on the day of the draft compared to Noel? Probably three or four years older. Right. Camby, uh, T- Chandler was not older. Camby was older. Noah was older. And I mentioned one other that was Bosch was not older. So of those four, two were older, two weren't. Yeah. Um, and I think the other one, there was another one, Larry Sanders, I think, of, was 222. Mo- most guys have been 220 in the draft. And the question, you know, there, we get to the question and we can leave it at that. I think Noah would have been 220 if he didn't tear his ACL. I'm sorry, uh, Noah no, well, would have been. Interesting. He would have been, I mean, that's what he was, you know, 218 before he got hurt. So, I mean, he was right around there. So, I mean. Again, we you know. I mean, it's like we're splitting hairs. I think so. Um, so you have. Yeah, we'll turn. So the and then the next tier of these guys, Alex Leno. I really haven't seen Len. I haven't seen much. Stephen Adams. Boy, I, I get where you fall in love with him, but forty-four percent free throw shooting. Cody Zeller. I know the draft workouts are there, and it's so awesome. But when I watch him in games, if there's a body on him, that athleticism doesn't show. Uh, and yet, then there's the other side, I guess, which is the Kelly Olynyk, who doesn't have any of those athleticism, doesn't have any of that wow factor. He just plays. Uh, what's your What's your thought on this kind of? And Rudy Gobert probably goes into this, who is just got this sick, ridiculous length, uh, and eat with very little coaching, from what I understand in France. What's your, What's your thought on this collection of of guys that are there? And, and frankly, two, if not three, of those guys are going to be on the board at 14 if the Jazz want to select them. 
Yeah, no, it's you're right. It's it's really interesting. It's a really interesting group. Uh, you don't really see, you know, usually that many seven footers available in the mid first round, and they all have very distinct strengths and weaknesses. But I think they could all end up being pretty good NBA players. I don't think that it's none of them. I look at it and say like, this guy is going to be a flop for sure. So um, just um, it just kind of depends what you're looking for, I guess. What's your thought on Bebe? Who I what is it? Lucas Nori? How do you pronounce his last name? Noguera. Noguera. Isn't that that they they call him Bebe, right? Yep. What's your thought? What's your thought on him? I know he kind of is floating around. He's been very quiet. I know. Uh, what was it, a year or two ago? He was, um, and uh, you know, he's one of the more uh, interesting prospects. And he's been very quiet this year. Is there some hidden story there? What's your thought on him? Um. No. I mean, I. I think he's, I mean, he just, he didn't, he didn't play a lot, you know, the last couple of years. Um, it's really his first season playing in the ACB and he only got 13, 14 minutes a game, something like that. So, um, it's hard to like jump up and down with a guy like that, but I think he's, I think he could be a, a solid backup in the NBA. I think, I think he's okay. So you, you, I like, uh, I like the way you say some of the, who are these guys are starters? Who, uh, actually, let me pull up some numbers for a second. Let's play a numbers game. You know, I don't know how well you know me, but I like numbers. So let's play for a second. The way the numbers are, the history from 1997 to 2008, says that in picks one through five, you'll probably get an all-pro, an all-star, and a, and a starter in that group. And he thought on of those, an all-pro, an all-star, and a starter out of our top five in this in this draft? I would go with the all-pro Alex Len. Um, he said the second one was the all-star? Yeah. All-star. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't see the second one there, but I think that I think Oladipo has got a, a really good chance. I mean, not all-star, but just a really good NBA player. And then um, a starter. And then... I would go with, um, you know, I think Burke is going to be a starter, and I think Noel is going to be a starter too. So we'll go Noel. Then the, uh, the if we move to the six through ten, uh, it would tell me that four, two that probably two or three of these guys are starters. You said Trey Burke, Bennett, Burke, McCollum, Muhammad, and Adams are on your mock draft. Who's your other two or one or two starters in that group? Porter. Okay. I would say. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Ada Tukunmo. I would, I would put him in my top ten in terms of talent in this draft. And then um, I think Bennett, Bennett's going to start. I mean, he's going to score. He's not going to play a lot of defense, but he's going to put up points. So someone's going to value that for sure. Uh, we get to between 11 and 20 in an NBA draft, you – we traditionally get only one or two starters. So you think uh, the 18-year-old from Greece you just mentioned, Ada, I can't pronounce it as well as you did as quickly as you can, so I'll let you go. Do you have another one you think's a starter in there? Um, Gorgie Jang. Interesting. Interesting. I love this. I swear if you and I put together our top 15 players in this draft, we might not have the same players on any. No, we would have some. I'm kidding. I think it's great. 
I mean, and I, I, by the way, I would caution all the listeners, they probably should listen to you, not me. You've done it a lot longer than I have. I'm only a pseudo guy. You do it, I do it for about a month, a year, and you, cause I'm bored, and you do it for a living. So, I know who, you're making me nervous. Let's just put it that way. How's that? You make me very nervous. Final thing for you. Second round, you only get 5% chance of getting a starter. There's 30 picks. So, in theory, you should get a starter somewhere in the second round. Really, you should get maybe two of them, two second-round starters. Eric Green and uh, I will go with Jackie Carmichael. I don't even know Jackie Carmichael. Do I? Oh, he was in the other day, I think. Illinois State. Yeah, we had, I think we had him in the other day. He's a power forward, right? Yeah, I'm not necessarily projecting him as a starter, right. but... I mean, I, mean, I, I forced you to choose one. I forced you to choose one. All right, well, Jonathan, I hope that was... I love that. That was a great... That's great, because my poor listeners get just, you know, bludgeoned to death with my point of view. And now to have someone with your experience who has a very different point of view, I think is incredibly valuable. Last player I want to break down on, because I'm just curious on the whole story. Shabazz Muhammad, what's your thought of the fake age... And uh, whether that has any impact on things to kind of what his whole storyline has been. And what do you think of him as a player? Obviously, I I hate the fake age part because you never like to be misled. I'm an information guy. And if you can't trust your information, then it's really hard to do this job. So... I think that a lot of the disdain for Mohammed started there because uh, it just feels sleazy, you know. Uh, nobody likes being cheated. So, um, but I, I'm not as down on him as some other people are. I think that there's value in scoring, and I think that it's still it's not easy to come into college basketball and average, you know, 18, 20 points a game for Ben Howell right off the bat, you know. So I think he's going to be able to put up points in the NBA. I don't know how efficiently he's going to be able to do it. I don't know how many times, how many assists he's going to have, you know, probably not a lot. But um, he's 6'6", and he's got a really long span. And, um, you know, still 20 years old is not 30 years old. So he's got his whole career ahead of him. He's still probably one of the 20 youngest guys in this draft. So... Um, I think he's going to be okay, you know, but um, he's not what we thought he was a year ago, that's for sure. And my final thing, I, I, I've, I've surmised this conversation. I almost have the feeling if you were the Jazz GM, you either would take Schroeder at 14 or you might take wait to take Eric Green at 21. You really like Eric Green, don't you? I do like Eric Green, yes, and I wouldn't be surprised if he went there in the 20s. And not necessarily to Utah, but somewhere in the 20s. Interesting. Jonathan, thanks so much. What a pleasure. I hope uh, you enjoyed it and uh, enjoy a week of uh, well-deserved stardom as uh, all of your work gets talked about. Great breakdown done, I think, today, maybe late last night, uh, at Draft Express on the point guards by the numbers. I think that Jonathan, uh, Joshua posted that, or Joseph, excuse me, posted that today. Am I right on that? I yes. Think. So take a look at that. That's great. You guys all know I love the numbers. This is good. It does not make Michael Carter-Williams look good. So it probably makes uh, Isaiah Cannon and CJ or and Trey Burke and uh, A.J. McCollum and Eric Green look good would be my guess. But it's a nice piece, long, uh, 
bunch of cool stuff to it. And make sure you check that out at Draft Express, including all the draft videos. Thanks so much for your time and continue best work. I'm so glad that you've made this work and uh, it's working for you in every aspect. You deserve it. So congratulations. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks for having me.